This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to the official start of NFL Free Agency Day Number 1. We had the tampering period, Days Number 1 and 2, where a lot of the business got done. But now it is official. NFL Free Agency is here. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all of that, of course, he is a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. What's going on, Chris? Absolutely nothing. We got nothing to talk about, right? Yesterday was a, a boring and uneventful day, that, and it went exactly as everyone expected throughout the day, right? Pretty much. The only thing I have to talk about is, man, that Le'Veon Bell mixtape was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I I enjoyed listening to it. I I was getting my jokes off. I was here for the jokes, especially at that point in the day. I was all here for the jokes. It was uh, everything about uh, leading up to it, the anticipation, people like actually waiting for it and actually expecting him to say something on the album to make the announcement. I found the entire thing hilarious. It was an obnoxious troll job all the way through. But uh, I have this theory in life that. Uh, you can, you know, if, if you're just a regular jerk, you're just a jerk. Nobody likes you. But if you're just such an obnoxious level of jerk, I, I can only kind of hope to, I can only be forced to respect it. And I kind of feel like that's how he went about his album and the trolling and all that. I, I can only respect it at this point. It's just pure comedy and entertainment. I said it last night. Somebody tweeted at me, watch his mixtape won't even have any reference to his NFL choice. And I said, if that's the case, this is one of the greatest troll jobs I've ever seen, and that's exactly what it turned out to be. So, like you said, I respect the troll game from Le'Veon, and we're going to get back to him in a bit, because I want to start at the beginning of the day. Chris, as we came off the air recording yesterday is when we heard the news about Anthony Barr. It is really amazing what happened there, that Anthony Barr pulled an Antoine Winfield. He had agreed in principle to a deal on Monday with the Jets, and then on Tuesday... After tossing and turning the night before and feeling physically ill, and I know we all made jokes about, oh my God, he was sick at the thought of playing for the Jets. I think he was more sick at the thought of leaving the Vikings and it felt wrong to him. So he went back to the Vikings, negotiated a deal, and ended up going back there. So now you're looking at a situation where earlier in the day, the Jets had landed C.J. Mosley, which was good, but now Barr, who they thought was going to be their big pass rusher, runs away and goes back to Minnesota. So Mac's not looking great at this point, and people are starting to flip out. You're hearing all this stuff about Le'Veon Bell. It's the Ravens. The Jets are at the front. There are other teams involved. There's as many as six teams bidding. So let's cut right through the chase here. There are two people that really had this right the entire time, as far as I can tell. And those two people were Albert Breer and you, Chris, because everything that you were saying the whole time turned out to be true with him. You said that you had heard that the bidding for him wasn't getting much beyond $12 million. That turned out to be true because the Jets ended up signing him for four years, $52 million, which is an average of 13 and a half per year. You also said that you had heard that the Jets were out in front with nobody else really bidding for him. That turned out to be true. And as Albert Breer had said earlier in the day yesterday, it seems like it was basically just the Jets. And now from what Adam Schefter is saying and from what Le'Veon Bell's agent told Maurice Jones-Drew as Maurice Jones-Drew revealed on Good Morning Football this morning on NFL Network 
It was the Jets all along. They were out in front. They were the only ones that made a concrete offer. Other teams had called to inquire, kicked the tires. And really what happened here, and I guess everybody's saying that he was using the Jets for leverage. I can't really blame him in this sense. I don't know that he was using them for leverage. I think what he was waiting to see was if a market was going to materialize, and it didn't. And so he ended up going to the Jets. The only team that really got involved at the very end was the 49ers. Sounds like they didn't match what the Jets put on the table anyway. And so Le'Veon ends up going to the Jets, which is what a lot of people expected. I got to tell you, Chris, all these quote-unquote insiders out there with all this information about how the Ravens were deep in discussions with him or Bell was getting offered $60 million guaranteed, a five-year $85 million deal from McCagnin, all this crazy stuff. It all just turned out to be fake news, and so I find it funny that all these guys that call themselves insiders or say they have these sources, they clearly were just making things up or they were hearing stuff from people who had no idea what was really going on. Because at the end of the day, what you were saying, what Albert Breer was saying was right all along. Le'Veon Bell went into this thinking he was going to get $17 million a year. The market wasn't there for him. The Jets held firm on their offer. They ended up getting him for a much more reasonable price. He gets his guarantees that he wasn't going to get in Pittsburgh, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But before we get into how all the guarantee stuff works and all of that, you had it right pretty much from the beginning. So what were you hearing, and then how did it kind of unfold? Yeah, like I, like you just said, uh, and I was saying, that's the Jets, we knew the Jets had a level of interest from the beginning. We knew that they obviously had uh, the most money of the teams that were going to be interested because we knew the Colts weren't going to be interested. We knew Ballard wasn't going to be interested. Uh, the question was going to be, would the Jets be willing to be the highest bidder? Would somebody else be willing to jump in? And, uh, I, you know, I, I was vocal about my doubts about that leading up to free agency and everything on, on here with you. Um, but the, the, what happened was the market, just wasn't as robust and that's that's the word that it's funny because like that's word uh one of my sources used with me and then i saw connor and uh ralph uh talking about that too so we were all apparently at one point talking about this uh, talking with the same source um but yeah so it was there wasn't as big of a market out there for him as he was expecting and as the jets thought they might. The Jets thought they were going to have a little bit more competition for him and that it, it was going to be a little bit more of a tougher decision here uh, to ha- to be able to pay him just over $13 million per, to be able to give him the $35 million guaranteed of over four years. The Jets looked at that and said, yeah, this is a no-brainer considering the need we have for him, considering how much he can help Sam Darnold uh, as a runner, as a passer, as a pass blocker. There's, and considering how much money they had, that's what it was. And they had the highest offer out there. Nobody was really trying to climb up. The Anthony Barr situation happened. The Jets decided to go back, throw a little bit more money at him, sweeten the offer a little bit more. Um, and then, you know, then Le'Veon sat back. And I don't know if he was trying to, like you just said, see if more of a market would develop or try to play uh, you know, leverage the Jets. Either way, I don't blame him. Get the most money you wanted. That's why you held out. Um, 
But so he sat back there trying to do that. And then that's when we started seeing the reports. Six teams are interested. The Colts are one of those teams. The Raiders are one of those teams. Even though Chris Mortensen and plenty of other people out here saying the Raiders don't have the cash to give him a signing bonus, the upfront signing bonus. They're, they're cash poor right now, especially after giving out the deals they did. They couldn't afford them. But other reporters are still benching him, throwing them in there. The Bills are thrown in there, even though they have – they just signed Frank Gore, had LaShawn McCoy and Chris Ivory and plenty of other and Josh Allen as a running back. So, <laughs> um, you know, they have plenty of other needs uh, So that you could tell that that was, you know, agent speak. They're trying to get, uh, drum up the market, see if they can coax somebody else into it. And that just never really developed. Like you said, the 49ers tried to get in at the end. I, I haven't heard if they were like, how close they were but obviously it wasn't close enough and it does sound there was a lot of people speculating that Le'Veon Bell was just waiting for somebody to come up a little bit because he didn't want to come to the Jets well that's not the case it, 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 like it's the money got this done that don't get this wrong I know you have feelings about uh, everyone giving Jamal credit for it and I and I don't doubt that the, Jamal did a lot more recruiting behind the scenes than we saw on Twitter I do not doubt that at all but the money got this done. Yeah. And the the fact that he grew up a Jets fan, loved Curtis Martin, probably played a small part, made him feel better about it. But it was the money that got this done. And just, just, just understand that and accept that and realize that that's how it should be for these players. So accept that and make your peace with that. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Everybody was talking about all these teams being involved. We heard, oh, the Ravens are close to a deal, this and that. Well, guess what? The Ravens never even made an offer, and that's why I think it's hilarious that everybody was making so much out of that nonsense on Twitter with that guy claiming to be Le'Veon Bell's brother, which we don't even know if he really is Le'Veon Bell's brother, giving a clue of a magnet and a door, and everybody going, oh, magnet door, MD, Maryland. So now for all you sleuths on Twitter, maybe you'll learn that sometimes people are just screwing around with you. I also think it's hilarious that you heard all this stuff about, oh, the Bills, the Colts. Those teams were never in it. And I can tell you, I spoke to George Bremer from CNHI Sports in Indianapolis, who's our go-to guy when it comes to Colts stuff, the best there is on the Colts beat. 
I can assure you the Colts never got into this. And Colts fans are actually kind of pissed off about it because they feel like with all that cap space for that low of a price, Ballard should have jumped in. That's their cross to bear. As far as I'm concerned, Ballard has earned every benefit of the doubt that there is. So if he decided he doesn't want to build the team that way, that's fine. But what it comes back to here with McCagnin is that they had to have Le'Veon Bell, period, end of sentence. They got it done. And look, the market just wasn't there for Le'Veon Bell. There are people that are going to criticize him. And Chris, we're going to go into the contract specifics of this in just a little bit as well. But what it boils down to is Bell was clearly terrified of getting injured and not making all of his money and really put a premium on getting those guarantees. He got higher guarantees than the Steelers. And the reason that I say higher guarantees, because people will say, oh, he was going to get $33 million in the first two years with the Steelers. Remember, those were rolling guarantees. So the only real firm guarantee was the first $17 million. After that, it was a year-to-year guarantee. And so he gets twice as much in guaranteed money. He probably ends up losing out on a significant amount of money in the long run. But for him, he felt like holding out for that guaranteed money was the more important gambit. Now, he clearly lost in the sense that he thought he was going to get 16-17 million a year and it didn't happen. So he lost there. And again, if we know for sure that he wasn't going to get hurt, then yeah, 100% he left significant money on the table, but Le'Veon Bell was not comfortable taking that risk. So I understand the people that are criticizing him here and saying that he lost. You could very easily make that case, but I get what he tried to do because now at least he has that $35 million. And if he gets hurt and tears up his knee tomorrow, he still has that $35 million. Yeah, absolutely. And but before I go on my mini contract rant, the yes, the Jets were uh, the highest bidder for Le'Veon Bell. But guess what? The the Jets, if Le'Veon Bell, Bell has more value to the Jets than anybody else. So he was worth more to the Jets than anybody else. So they should have been the highest bidder on him. And that that's what they needed. That's what they did. That because of the situation they were in, the lack of talent, the quarterback going into his second year and all the cap space, he had more value to the Jets than everybody else. So that's, that's a good move that it needed to be done, and it got done. Now, the, the thing is, because this is something, you know me, I get frustrated with this type of stuff because fans are so quick to call players greedy, this and that. Even though if if you if the fans were in this the situation the players are in and they were talking about money that was going into their bank account, they'd be doing the same type of things. So I, I hate when people uh, you know act like they wouldn't be reacting the same way to protect their own money. And then a frustration I have with media and other reporters is they love to play paint players in bad lights when it comes to contracts. They love to do the bidding of the owners and the agents to make the the contracts look better than they are. That's why you always see reporters tweet out the total numbers of the contracts, even though we all know and understand that most of contracts, especially when you're going five, six years, is funny money. You look at that Landon Collins contract, and everyone freaked out about the total uh, value of that contract. But half of that's funny money. Half of that he's never actually going to get to see. The the All that matters to the players and the teams is the guaranteed money. And there's, look at teams like the Steelers, who it's their philosophy to not pay a lot in guaranteed money. That's their philosophy. That's how they go about things with everybody. And that's perfectly fine. That's their business practice and their philosophy. 
they're allowed to do that. But players are allowed to sit back and say, okay, I want to go find somebody who will give me the guarantees. And then, you know, I had people going all over the place with Lantonio, but uh, uh, Le'Veon Brown, uh, Jesus, I just messed up, mixed up their names twice uh, with Le'Veon <laughs> Bell. Um, and somebody was tweeting me yesterday that now they're scared he's going to have a good year this year and then he's going to hold out next year. And I'm like, he can't do that. The contract won't allow him to do that. He is under contract. He has the guarantees he would get fined by the day and he will have to pay back a signing bonus if he tries to do that. And the reason why that fan said that was because they have a fundamental, fundamental misunderstanding of how contracts work in the NFL. And I don't blame fans for knowing this because this stuff gets really, really complicated. And even if this is my job to know some of this stuff. And it's really boring to get bogged down in the minutia of some of this stuff. But people have to remember last year, Le'Veon Bell didn't really hold out. He wasn't under contract. His contract with the Steelers was up. And then they wanted to use the franchise tag. But he doesn't have to play by that game. He didn't sign the contract, so he wasn't under contract. And it's the Steelers who actually mis calculated that situation because they didn't read the fine print in the CBA. They assumed that they would just be able to say, fine, sit out the year. We'll tag you next year at the same price. and We'll be right back here again, where Le'Veon Bell's agent actually read the fine print and said, no, if you tried, if you even try to apply the tag the second year, it's got the price of the tags going up and you won't be able to afford that or want to deal with that. So they're actually the ones who read that that wrong. But Bell is getting blasted as being the greedy part. And then, like you said, people sit there and say, oh, he got 33 million guaranteed. That was rolling guaranteed. Rolling guaranteed means that it, it spread out over a couple years. And if you're on the roster on like the fifth league of a uh, fifth day of the new year or whatever it, the exact date is, then that guarantee kicks in. But if Le'Veon Bell played the season last year and then, got, you know, in the fourth or fifth game of the year, he got an Alex Smith-like injury. And then James Conner comes in and starts playing really well. And then they look and they say, hey, we'll just roll with James Conner. He's got no guarantees left on his deal. We're just going to let him walk. And then so he signed that huge contract but he really only gets the guarantees for that first year. That's how rolling guarantees work. And they're, they're set up and designed that way specifically to trick you fans. That's exactly what it's about to make the teams look good and to make you turn on the players when they say they want more money. Again, I get that fans don't understand this stuff. They don't know the ins and outs, but that's exactly why I just say, Hey, don't jump to immediately to the, he's just a selfish, greedy guy that just don't jump to get in that bag. There's more to it. And yes, I said to you last night, if we could peek into an alternate reality where Bell signed that deal, he more than likely would have gotten more money in the long run. But it, the peace of mind, the security the, uh, for him to be able to know that he has this money guaranteed no matter what happens was obviously worth more than him than getting trying to tax on a couple more million of total value over the total of the contract. And then also, let's not forget, the Steelers offer was for five years 
where the Jets offer is for four years. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. There's two parts to this, Chris. The first thing I'll say is he and his agent clearly screwed up in the sense that they thought he was going to get more money on the open market than he actually got. There's no debating that. So that part is where he messed up. Beyond that, as far as the guarantees versus more total money, that's really his decision. I can't sit here and say what's better and what's worse. Some people would rather have the security of knowing that they have that money no matter what. Some people are comfortable betting on themselves and thinking that there's no way that they're going to have that Alex Smith type of injury. It's not for me to say. So I'm not going to say which is better. You see this all the time with lottery winners. There's the lump sum. I was just going to say that. I was just. There's a reason they give you two options. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what Le'Veon Bell did, was he picked the one option that most people wouldn't have picked. But that's for him to decide. But regardless, Le'Veon Bell is here now. The contract is what the contract is. And the Jets and Le'Veon Bell move forward. We'll see what they add around him. One piece we know they're not going to add, unfortunately, Chris, is Matt Paradis. The center signs with the Carolina Panthers. A lot of people felt like for sure he was coming to the Jets. Turns out they never even made an offer, according to reports. How bad was that leg injury? Because from what I gather, the Jets weren't the only ones that were scared to make an offer to Paradis. Yeah, and just look at the uh, this contract he did sign. It's a it's a one year contract. It's it's a, again it's funny money, and it's uh, shown out there as a three year deal. But it's a one year contract with two voidable options for the team. So yeah, he didn't get anything near what he was looking for. And uh, you talked about how I had the Le'Veon Bell stuff right all along. Well, I, I, I was off on the Paradise stuff. And uh, somebody, somebody went to, to my uh, tweet where I said that, you know, it's, it, I think that the Jets are going to end up getting Paradise and Anthony Barr and hit me with the this aged poorly tweet. And they were right. I, I was kind of right about Barr. I couldn't have foreseen him changing his mind because I don't know anything about him personally. But, uh, you know, they missed out on both of them. And, uh, everything I was hearing on Paradis was he was trying to get the Jets to, to uh, you know, give a bigger offer because there was no real competition once the bill signed Morse. Turns out the Jets didn't even really get involved to begin with, but he was, he was hanging around because he assumed, just like everybody did, he thought the Jets were going to go after him. He was waiting for the Jets to get involved. They never did get involved. And it was obviously, I, I, you were asking me yesterday, have you heard anything more about this? And I was like, I'm not getting calls returned. I finally did. And I, it was definitely the, uh, the leg that scared everybody. And you can look, the Broncos weren't willing to give him much to bring him back. The Panthers, like I said, they signed him to a basically a glorified one-year deal. Everybody was scared of that leg. And that's one of the downsides of this legal tampering period <clears throat> because they can't bring him in to let their doctors check him out and to see everything. And that makes you say, okay, well, then he should have waited until – free agency becomes official and he can take visits and do that 
But if he does that, there will be other teams who decide, I don't want to wait. We're going to go spend our money elsewhere. And that decreases the market for him. So he was, he's, and the, the injured players are stuck in a rock and a hard place type situation. And he has to sit there and, you know, say, okay, well, they offer me this now. I'm just going to take it. And that, that's how it played out. And the, you know, it really doesn't matter how it played out, though. I mean, I know everybody wants to know. The bottom line is the Jets still need a center, and there's none out there available right now. Yeah, that's the problem. And I think the big issue for me here, Chris, is that if they didn't have confidence in Paradis, why weren't they a little bit more aggressive with Mitch Morse? Yeah, I I haven't gotten confirmation on this, but my feeling is uh, – they had a number for Morse, and the Bills went above that number. Now we can sit here and argue and quibble if how much you know they should have been willing to go above that uh, number, considering how much money they have available and how much they really do need a center. And I know we've been talking about this too off air and laughing about a lot of the takes on this. People have this misguided notion that center is some you know. uh, unvaluable position that you can just pick some guy off the street and throw throw in there. Athletically speaking, it's the closest position on the offensive line you can do that with, but there's so much more that goes into playing center. You have to know the rules of everybody on the offensive line. You have to make the calls. You have to be able to read all the defenses and get the calls out to the other guys on the line. There's so many moving parts to an offensive line, and the center is the conductor there showing everybody where to go. It's not as easy to just say you can get anybody to be the center, and that's where they are right now, and it looks like you know they're probably going to have to hope that they can find somebody in the draft. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. There's nobody out there. You can maybe sign Sullivan from the Rams, but he was let go for a reason. He's 33 and not all that good. I don't really know what other options you have. I guess get a guy like that. You have Harrison and then draft somebody and have all of them compete. But it's going to be kind of a patchwork thing as far as that center position goes. It would have been nice to get Paradis or Morse. They didn't trust Paradis and Morse got more money than they were expecting. So now they move on and see what they can do at the center position. But Le'Veon Bell, certainly the guy that had to be gotten. So even without that center, a big day for the New York Jets landing Le'Veon Bell. But Le'Veon Bell, not the only big transaction of that day. We talked about C.J. Mosley, but how about a guy that the Jets decided to bring back, Henry Anderson, who was one of the better players on the defense last year. He resigns on a three-year deal. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, most exciting about that for me is I get to uh, look at Twitter during the games and see his his what I assume will be his wife at the time, if not already, uh, favoriting all tweets mentioning his name. Uh, again, I take way too much enjoyment out of that. I don't know why I uh, love it as much as I do, but I do. Uh, but he's a really good player. It, they probably, you know, they probably overpaid for him too. It's which is not really what you want. That's what we know. That's what free agency is. But when you're re-signing your own guys, 
typically don't want to do that. But losing out on Barr, they hadn't uh, acquired Bell yet, and they they really, really like him. They like everything about him on and off the field, in the locker room. So they were willing to bump it up and pay a little bit more for him. But he is a good player. Um, you know, if if you're sitting here thinking they're set on the defensive line because they have Henry Anderson, I'd pump those brakes a little bit. They they still need some more help and upgrades there. They obviously still need to find some type of pass rusher. But he is a really good player, solid player who can help in a lot of different ways, versatile and all that. So it's a good move uh, that they overpaid a little bit for. But you know, all in all, it's worth it. We talked about all the moves the Jets did make yesterday. Let's talk about moves that they're looking to make today. Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News reporting right now. It just came across that the Jets are looking into the possibility of signing Pierre Desir. Now, for anybody that doesn't know Desir, he was a guy that was a mid-round pick a couple of years ago. Didn't really do much. And then last year kind of caught fire with the Indianapolis Colts. Sort of a one-year wonder in a sense because this is a guy that people were waiting for to turn into something. And he finally did last year in a Colts defense that was a lot better than expected in a lot of ways the question here Chris is beyond all the injuries that he sustained is he a guy that was just a flash in the pan at 28 years old or is he somebody that you can count on the question now becomes if you're going to get into negotiations with him and bring him in to play on the Jets and be opposite Tremaine Johnson just how much money is he worth based on all the things that I just said yeah that that's going to be the thing to watch because you know we've all done this and gone through this and seen this before over the years where you see a team going after a guy who's not the top of the line of the available group and you say okay well I'm not comfortable with paying that top guy what he's probably going to get so this is probably a more realistic target and then that guy signs and you're like wait he's getting top of the line money and then all of a sudden you're not as cool with it so if that's if that's what happens here like I don't Ronald Darby is a solid corner, good corner, but especially after what happened signing Trulane Johnson in the disappointing year he had last year, Ronald Darby isn't a player I'd feel comfortable throwing big money at, too. I'm not trying to risk having huge money tied up in two outside corners with the possibility of them both being underwhelming. So, you know, Pierre Desir is not on, uh, as good as Ronald Darby. But you look at that and say, okay, or at least not as safe of an option um, when you're not factoring the money. But you say, okay, that seems like a more reasonably priced uh, guy to go after. And it definitely does. That seems like the tier of a cornerback that they should be looking at right here. But if they end up paying him something close to Ronald Darby, then I reserve my right to sit here and say, yeah, no, that that was a bad decision. And you might as well have just gone after Ronald Darby. And I hate to be that guy, but considering how well he played last year in Indianapolis and considering that the Colts have a ton of cap space, you have to wonder why they're not making a real effort yeah. to bring him back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know generally there's a reason when something like that happens and they don't trust him enough. So you gotta, you gotta be wary, but you know, right now the Jets only have, uh, you know, right now, uh, Daryl Roberts is penciled in to be the starting quarterback outside, uh, opposite of Jermaine Johnson. And again, Daryl Roberts is a solid guy. We, we talked about this. It's a good signing. But a starting outside corner tandem of Chumay Johnson and Daryl Roberts, that's got to make Jets fans a little nervous. 
This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Chris, now that we've gotten all the Jets news out of the way, at least for now, I'm sure more is going to pop up over the next couple of hours. Let's go around the league. Two big trades happening. We'll start with the one that doesn't involve a New York team. D. Ford goes to the San Francisco 49ers from the Kansas City Chiefs in exchange for a 2020 second round pick. We talked about this yesterday. We said that the asking price seemed to be a third rounder, which is essentially what it ended up being because the next year's second is about the value of this year's third. So let's talk about this deal and what it might mean for the 49ers. Does it mean that perhaps they're not going to pick Nick Bosa number two? They're looking to move out of there because they filled that edge rusher need. And also, if you're the Jets, especially after Barr ran away, why wouldn't you pay a price like this? A second rounder next year seems very reasonable for a 28-year-old pass rusher who's shown that he can be a 10-12 to 12 sack a year guy. I don't know why they wouldn't have gotten in on this. It would have filled a huge need for them. And to be honest with you, as much as I like Anthony Barr, he's more proven in this area anyway. So I'm really not sure why McCagnan didn't get in on this. Yeah, it, it, just looking at it from what it costs to trade for him, there's there's no explanation. There's no defending, not trying to get into it for just giving up a 2022nd round pick. Where you can start to try to defend it or explain it is the huge contract that he got. And maybe the Jets sit there and think, okay, we're going to take Josh Allen or maybe we get lucky and get Nick uh, Bosa. And then we will be paying him a much cheaper deal than D Ford would be paying. We'd be paying D Ford. And again, D Ford really had, you know, this was his breakout year in the contract where year teams are always wary of that. And just like you said, with the Colts being willing to let uh, the seer go, the fact that the Chiefs were willing to let D Ford go for so little, because I, I know they have less cap space, so uh, I, I understand them having to make the decision to let him go. But to be willing to let him go for so little, that that seemed a little crazy. That's that's a little alarming. So I could see the hesitation to want to pay him that much money. I I would have definitely kicked the tires more than the Jets did. But I, I can get it, and I can understand it to some extent. But the big good news for the Jets is what you touched on and talked about. Does this take the 49ers out of the edge running? Does it, If Kyler Murray goes first, whether it's the Cardinals or somebody else trades up for him, does this make them go to Quinn and Williams now uh, and then leaving Bosa there for the Jets? Or uh, there's also the possibility maybe now the 49ers will look to trade out of that number two position. So it might not actually end up helping them in the long run. Who knows? But it's something to keep an eye on as this draft season starts to play out. For what it's worth, there are reports emerging that the 49ers are very split on Williams and Bosa, so maybe this sways them in the direction of Quinn and Williams. It sounds like they have this the same way that I do in the San Francisco front office, which is that they tend to believe that Quinn and Williams is the better player, but Bosa might be the better selection because he plays a more important position. But now that they've got D. Ford, maybe they decide to go with the guy that they think is the better player in Quinn and Williams. So this is something that we definitely should keep our eye on, and we should keep an eye on the Giants fans right now, too, because they might be on suicide watch after what just happened with Odell Beckham going to the Cleveland Browns for a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and Jabril Peppers. I got to tell you, when I saw the terms of this deal... I was like, what? That's all he got for Odell Beckham? A first, a third, and Jabril Peppers? I would have fired the guy immediately for that. How is that all you come away with for Odell Beckham? I I see. I get the news that uh, he was traded. 
And I was like, oh, oh boy. And like, it was funny because I was talking with a friend of mine and I was like, there's a lot of smoke around this. It keeps popping back up and then it disappears. And then it keeps popping back up and it disappears. And I was like, there's something happening here. I don't know if it's going to get done, but there's something happening. And it did get done. And But I was sitting here thinking, we're talking about maybe, you know, two first round picks or something, something that would make sense and logical. And then when I finally looked at the terms, I swear I must have read it over 74 times and being like, no, I'm missing something. Like I'm skipping over a, a sentence or two. There has to be something missing from this. A first, a third, and a Jabril Peppers it, it, for, for Odell? Uh, I, I, I don't understand it. I can't understand how they would do that. The Giants are in a really weird position right now. I mean, they trade trade Olivier Vernon, get Zeitler. They seem to be simultaneously making win move now moves and tank build for the future moves at the same time, all while hanging on to Eli Manning at this advanced stage of his career and paying him all that the money. It, who I, Try, just try to make sense of the Giants, what they're doing right now. Try it. I dare you. They they drafted Saquon number two overall, which most of the world laughed at because they were going to make a run for the Super Bowl. And now two years, uh, not even two years later, just the next year, they're getting rid of Odell. And now it's Sterling Shepard, Ingram, and and Saquon that Eli has to work with. I just, I dare you to try to make sense of this. Yeah, Chris, I'm completely lost. I have no idea what they're trying to do. Last year, they were telling you that Eli was awesome and they were going to build around him and draft Saquon Barkley and this team was going to march through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. They were terrible as anybody with a brain could have figured out. Eli Manning, who's been mediocre his entire career, let's be honest about it, and has only been propped up because of those two Super Bowls. He's always been made into something more than he was in the first place, but now he's clearly shot. If you watch him play, he's throwing ducks. He was one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league last year. Everybody knows it, and you can give me the stats all you want to, but if you look at the advanced metrics and you watch the film, you're going to see it very, very clearly. Whatever it is Eli Manning had, he certainly doesn't have it anymore. He was probably, for most of his career, right around the 15th best quarterback, 16th best quarterback in the league. Now he's toward the bottom end of it. So the Giants were always lying to themselves, and now it seems like they're trying to rebuild, but like you said, they go out and they get Zeitler, and then now they're trading away Odell Beckham so they're simultaneously making win now moves along with rebuild moves I don't think Gettleman has any idea what he's actually trying to do he's just doing this on the fly and then Ralph Vacchiano coming out today and saying that the Giants got rid of Beckham because he was a headache they didn't want to deal with listen even if that's true even if that's 100% true and Odell Beckham was a pain and they wanted to get rid of him you're really telling me that you couldn't have shopped him around to other teams and gotten a better offer than what you got from Cleveland I can't believe that. There's no way that somebody else wouldn't have given you more for Odell Beckham. Look at what Khalil Mack fetched last year for the Raiders. You're telling me you couldn't have gotten something close to that for Odell Beckham? Instead, they get a first, a third, and Jabril Peppers? This is terrible. I can't believe that Gettleman pulled the trigger on this deal. The Browns, on the other hand, are scary, and they are going to be a team to watch out for this year. They could be giving the Patriots a run for their money as well as the Kansas City Chiefs. But boy, the Giants, I just don't know what the heck they were thinking here. This is ridiculous. Well, let, let me jump on that point about uh, 
they were they traded him because they were worried about him being a headache. The only people they were worried about him being a headache to was to them. They they're not they weren't worried about how his teammates were getting along with him, how his teammates felt about him because his teammates that locker room loved him. They loved his passion. They loved how hard he worked. They don't they didn't mind his freakouts because his freakouts on the sidelines because those were in-game things because he wanted to win. The the players didn't have a problem with him. They loved him. The prob- the people that have a problem with him are the older reporters, the older front office people who sit there and go, oh, these damn millennials. And, I, and I'm aware <laughs> that Odell is younger than a millennial, but people up my age and above love to sit here and just call everybody younger than a millennial and blame all the world's problems on them. And yes, kids are, the younger people are, do approach things differently. It's just like we were talking about Le'Veon Bell. He approached things differently. The whole mixtape thing is not something you would have ever seen 10 years ago. The world changes, but it, this is their own prejudice, their own th- uh, hang-ups that they want players to behave a certain way because that's what they want when these kids are saying, no, we're going to do it our way. And, uh, Everybody in that locker room loved Odell. This this was a problem among the the front office, the Dave Gettleman's, and some of the older reporters who want players to act a certain way. But yeah, the 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 most fun part of this, I mean, I'm sure for Jets fans, they're going to have a whole lot of fun sitting there laughing uh, at uh, the Giants. But man, the the Browns, ooh, man, they're 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 going to be a lot of fun to watch. That both on offense and defense, the different moves they're making. Oh, man, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Dorsey is a shoo-in for executive of the year already, and we haven't even started the season. Let's go around the rest of the league now, Chris, real quickly. I'm just going to do some quick hits. Le'Veon Bell was never an option for the Baltimore Ravens, but it looks like Mark Ingram is. It's said that the Ravens are the front runners there. Now that the running back market is clearing up a little bit, some whispers about Tevin Coleman possibly to Philadelphia. With the Odell Beckham move, Brashad Perriman, who is supposed to sign with the Browns, Perriman and the Browns got back together and said, you know what, let's call this off and go our separate ways. So Perriman instead gets a one-year, $4 million deal from the Tampa Bay Bucks. Cam Wake goes to Tennessee. That's amazing because he spent his entire career with the Miami Dolphins, one of the best players that they've ever had, and he's somebody that the Dolphins fans are really going to miss. I still can't believe he's 38 years old and still playing at the level that he's playing at. Also, Nick Perry, as we talked about yesterday, released from the Packers. We've got John Brown going to the Bills, so they're hoping that he can be their Robbie Anderson Latavius Murray goes to the Saints, which is apparently a strike after figuring out that Mark Ingram is not going to be coming back. You have Thomas Davis, the longtime Carolina Panther, three-time Pro Bowler. He goes to the L.A. Chargers. Kareem Jackson, the longtime cornerback for the Houston Texans. He goes to Denver. Tayshawn Gibson, we talked about the Browns before. He was on the Browns and made a name for himself there, but he'd been with the Jaguars. He goes to the Houston Texans. Terrell Suggs, another Cam Wake situation, a guy that was productive for a really long time, spent his entire career with the Baltimore Ravens. He moves on to Arizona. Chris, as you were saying before we got on the air, that was kind of the Emmett Smith move. And finally, Teddy Bridgewater, who we were joking before we came on the air, the Jets should have signed and then traded again for another draft pick. He ends up staying in New Orleans apparently turned down a better offer from the Miami Dolphins because he liked the team culture with the Saints and the idea that he could possibly be the heir apparent to Drew Brees. 
I think Teddy Bridgewater made a mistake here because he could have started right away for the Dolphins and then upped his value. He hasn't played in several years. We don't know how much longer Drew Brees is going to play. And so, again, with him not being a super young guy at 28 years old, super young in football terms, obviously, as an actual human being, he's quite young. I would have made the move to Miami, but he valued the culture and would rather stay with the Saints, so that's what he ends up doing. Chris, your rapid-fire thoughts on all of these moves around the league. Well, I'll start with Teddy, and I totally get and understand what you're saying, but the thing about that you also have to consider is what is the state of the Dolphins right now? They just lost Juwan James, whether better offensive lineman. They don't have a lot of talent and a lot of weapons there for him to work with, and then there's all this talk about how they're trying to tank anyway. So if Teddy's sitting there saying, listen, I might get one more shot, at being a starter in this league because he's not going to get a bunch of uh, shots. And then he goes to Miami with that and it doesn't turn out well, even if it's for reasons beyond his control, then that's probably it for him. And he's at best a backup somewhere else. And now he's going to have to be a little bit more patient at just sick in New Orleans. And uh, like you were saying out the air, you know, who knows how long Drew Brees is going to be playing for. We've all thought him and, and Tom Brady would have been done five years ago. They're still going. So who knows? But, uh, but he's, he feels comfortable enough that he can sit there and it's, it's definitely hard to blame him for trusting the saints and Sean Payton more than trusting the organization of Steven Ross and the Miami dolphins right now. <laughs> so that if, if that's, if he looks at it strictly like that, that's the bet he's making. I get it. Like it's, it's hard to really argue with him on that. Uh, the rest of the moves, everything else you're talking about, those are, you know, that's, typical that's what most of free agency is little little deals here and there a lot of players who you know cam wake terrell Suggs, that still good players especially cam wake still playing at a high level but at his age how much longer is he going to be doing that obviously again with the dolphins going through what they're going through they weren't going to be willing to pay that but if the tennessee titans got a good disruptive pass rusher uh for at least another year and uh, you know they have him for three years we'll see how late how long he stays at that level uh but there's some interesting moves but there none of those moves that you went there and listed off are real difference makers that are gonna have like a huge impact on their teams chris a wild time here with free agency and finally we can relax a little bit as we cover this team because man that was getting intense and it was really driving everybody up a wall people looking for weird clues on twitter that whole magnet door <laughs> nonsense i still can't get over the fact that people read so much into that and that clown kgb we all know now that he was trolling i think connor hughes who by the way i should throw this in there also did a pretty good job reporting on the Le'Veon bell stuff he said oh i guess i can now ignore kgb on my feed from now on so i think a lot of people are feeling that at this moment Chris an exciting time around here I'm really looking forward to delving into what happens next perhaps tomorrow we talk about Pierre Desir perhaps there's a move that we don't even expect but there's a lot in store for this New York Jets team with 40 million dollars left to spend I'm sure and we will talk all about it same bat time same bat channel tomorrow in the meantime why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and your very big deal work yeah you can find me at jetsonsara.com and on twitter at 
seen nimbly and that jets insider and yeah i'll have a a bunch of stuff to dissect over these next couple of days and it, it's it's nice that at least you know the bulk of these signings is going to start slowing down so we can start to really examine and assess some of this stuff here but I, i'm just glad that at least that you know my customer base that i i'm gonna have to deal with you got you guys aren't so upset and aggy for a little bit you guys gotta you guys can relax and breathe deep here and enjoy this uh this victory though at like you say you that fans want to be celebrating in january and february not so much in march yeah that's what i said yesterday on twitter and i'll repeat it here again when these celebrations happen in january instead of march that's when the jets will really be winners for now though we will take the victories that we can get and Le'Veon bell is a new york jet that was the guy that they absolutely had to have, and they got him. So we should all be very happy about it at this moment. Before I forget, I should also mention that if you want to learn more about Le'Veon Bell, everything there is to know, you should really go into our archives because we did a bunch of shows on him. We did a full film breakdown with Joe Blewett. We took a deep look at the statistics with Michael Nania and Benjamin Lindsay from Pro Football Focus. We went through the entire timeline of Le'Veon Bell's professional career up through this point, so his entire Steelers run with Simon Chester of Behind the Steel Curtain, and we learned all about what it was like covering Le'Veon Bell on the Pittsburgh Steelers beat and what he was like as a player and a person with Jacob Klinger, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat reporter from Penn Live. So if you missed any of that, please go into the archives and check it out. It'll give you a much fuller understanding of Le'Veon Bell as a player and as a person, everything you want to know is there, trust me. So go ahead and listen to all that stuff. Chris, thanks so much for coming on again. Make sure you visit JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.